Thank you, uh, worship team. And um, the last song that was um, sung there, I trust you um, were encouraged. Uh, speak, O Lord. Um, and that's exactly what we are, uh, that we do every Sunday evening here. We ask God to speak to us. And everything that we do here, um, whether we worship, we sing, we testify, um, or even with the word, it's a way of allowing God to speak to us. And I'm excited again this evening, um, this Sunday evening here again, to bring God's word to you once again. Um, we are going to continue in the book of Acts, chapter 5, um, through seven, verse 17 through 42. Um, I know it's a somewhat of a, a lengthy reading, but I think it will help set the context for us as we um, look into God's word this evening as to exactly what we, I believe, and I felt God has laid in my heart um, from, from the scripture, from the passage this evening, things that I felt that we need, that needs to come to light. And um, I trust and pray that you will be encouraged and also challenged and also, um, you know, like I said earlier on, leave here knowing what God is saying to you. So, um, I'll ask you to join with me in a word of prayer, and then we are going to read God's word. So let us pray. Father, once again, Lord, we want to acknowledge you, the author and the finisher of our faith. God, we want to acknowledge you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, we want to acknowledge, God, that you are the almighty God and the everlasting Father. We acknowledge you that you are King of kings and Lord of lords, the almighty God. And so we give praise and thanks to you, God, that we can come again, Lord. Come together, Lord, in fellowship, Lord, in holy uh, communion, Lord, to worship you, Lord, wherever we are this evening, Father. I pray for hearts. I pray for lives, God, for those that are joining us, whether on Facebook or on, on, on um, YouTube platform. God, we just ask and pray that whatever we say this evening, Lord, and Lord, that through your word that you will speak to every lives. I pray, God, that you will touch hearts wherever they are tonight. We pray, God, that your word will find an abiding place in the hearts and lives of men and women. God, it's only when you speak, it's only through the power of your spirit, God, that you can make known yourself to us. And I pray, God, Father, this evening, Lord, that you will speak to every heart and every life. I pray, Lord, that self will not be seen this afternoon, Lord, that everything that I say, everything that I do, God, will bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. I pray, Lord God, that your name will be exalted and that you be lifted up. And like I said, let not self be seen, but that your name be glorified. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our salvation. And so, God, just remove the things that are there this afternoon, God. Remove the things, whether they are a hindrance to you and your word. They are a hindrance, God, for your people to hear you. Father, I pray, God, that you will, O God, just open up the, the way, Father, so that your people can hear your word. And so we give thanks and praise to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 5, verse 17 to 42. Um, I'll give you a minute to find that passage there. It's uh, the continuation from where we left off um, last week. This is part 10 of the book of Acts as we have gone. It's only five chapters. We have about, what, 28 chapters more to go. Um, but we trust and pray and see where God is going to lead us. Um, Acts chapter 5, and I will be reading also from the King James Version. 
Uh, for those of you who are following, there may be one or two words that are, that are different if you're using an NIV or a, uh, a King, um, an ESV or other translation. So let us look to God's word this afternoon. Then the high priest rose, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison, or some people says public prison, some translation. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison door and brought them forth and said, Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came, and they that were with him, and called the council together and all the senate of the children of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in prison, they returned and told them, saying, The prison truly found, the, the prison truly found we shut all safely, and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the pre people. Then, then went the captain and the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we strictly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us? Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hang on a tree. Him had God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God had given to them that obey him. So when they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. Some translations said, kill them. Then stood there up one of the council, a Pharisee named Gamil, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people, and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space, and said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourself what you intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Theodos, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain, and all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered and brought to naught. After this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of taxing and drew away much people after himself. He also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men, let them alone, for it is if, for if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it. Least happily ye be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, that is the disciples, the apostles. They departed from the presence of the council 
rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer the name, suffer shame for his name, which is Christ's name. And daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God for his word this afternoon. Amen. Um, the title of my message this afternoon is Worthy, Counted Worthy to Suffer the Name of Christ or for the Name of Jesus. Now I had to cut that short a bit there this afternoon, but it's actually taken from the very last, um, the second to last uh, verse there that we just read, which is verse 41, when it says, after they have beaten them, after they have tr done all that they could, the disciples rejoicing, rejoice knowing that they were worthy to suffer for the name of Christ or suffer shame for the name of Christ. And that would be my message this afternoon. And I trust that God will open your heart as you hear and listen to his word this afternoon. So last week we looked at Anna, Ananias and Sapphira's death. Now, their death came about as a result of them lying to God. And you heard a whole lot of that last week there. The hypocrisy that was in their heart. This, uh, hi the hypocritical spirit. And they not only lied to God, but also to the Holy Spirit, which is the same um, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and what we saw last week was a warning, not only to the early converts to Christianity, but also to those who believe they could have just get away with sin within the body of Christ. They saw this movement, they saw what God was doing, and people believed that they were able to just join in the crowd and have and become part of that what God is doing. But God was was removing the the the, uh, the wheat from the tears. God was shifting um, and making sure that there was a, a sense of uh, fear. And we saw that last week in Acts chapter five. It says after the death of An Ananias. That great fear came upon all who heard it. And then again in Acts chapter 5 and verse 11. After Sapphira came in. Three hours after. And she said. I responded that this is all that we sold um, the property for. When she was questioned. And she lied again. And Peter says. Um, she, you know, she gave up the ghost. She fell, uh, she fell to her death. And the um, Bible says again that uh, and great fear, verse 11, came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. Now, people were starting to realize that they were not, they were not to trample on the grace of God. Now, there are three things that were made known to the people on that day with the death of Ananias and Sapphira. The first one that we're going to see, and these are not my speaking points, but I want to just, just to help you understand the context as to where we're going to the rest of the, of the story here this afternoon. There were three things that were made known to the people. One, God was not going to allow this sort of sin to continue within the body. And his displeasure of sin. That's the first thing. God was displeased with the sin of Ananias and Sapphira. And the sin of hypocrisy and lying and deceit. The message to everyone then and everyone now. That we are not to use the grace of God as a means to sin against God. And Paul would make clear of that in, in Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace May abound. And basically Paul is saying don't use the grace of God as a means to sin. And there are people who blatantly will do that. And this is what God was making known to the church. That he was not going to encourage that sort of thing. And then Acts chapter 5, 11, For the first time, if you are reading your Bible, for the first time the word of church 
church is mentioned in the New Testament. For the very first time, the word church is mentioned. And it says they are not only in Acts chapter 5.11, the word church is mentioned, but there are three other places, which is in Acts 9.31 and Acts 20 and 28. And then after that, you have Acts 11.26, which talks about the local congregation. At that point in time, the church was well formed and um, you know it was not the building that we know today. Now, I'm going to take a minute and just a touch on a few things on the second point here. The church is distinct from the, this. The church of Jesus Christ is distinct from Israel. Israel was known as the people of God and the church in the wilderness. And God was doing something new. It was a new church. It was something different that God was doing. That this church now is made up of believers all across the world and across every nation, tongue, and tribe. So we see that the displeasure of sin, we see that the church is now moving, the early church is now progressing, it's the birth of this new church. And then the third thing, God was now working with people universally. Uh, and the gospel is not only limited to, only to the children of Israel, not only to them, but to all who will come to faith in Jesus Christ. The universal church today is the body of Christ. So the account that we have in the book of Acts was, was the formation of this early Christian church. And I would like to, to just take a moment to say that the church of Jesus Christ is not made with the hands of men, not made with bricks and stone. The church is not a building. It is not the physical building, but the body of Christ scattered across the globe. God is not limited, brothers and sisters, to a building. Every believer, those who confess Jesus Christ as Lord, every child of God is part of this body of Christ, the true church of Jesus Christ. So the physical building are only a place of worship and fellowship, a place that is meant for community and worship, but it's not the church that Jesus Christ died for. Peter and the other apostles never claim these things. That the church was a building. Now, then we see from Acts, that, that, that from Ananias and Sapphira, and the latter part of that story last week, Acts chapter uh, 5 and then verse 12 through 16, gives us the account of what took place after the death of Ananias and Sapphira. Despite their death, the fear among the people. Hear what verse 12 says, uh, and Luke give us this account, that none of them, the people, none of them, those who who were like this Ananias and Pharaoh with that sort of a spirit of hypocrisy and those who could believe that they could use the grace of God as a means to sin against him or who wanted to become part of the, what God is doing. It says none of them dared to join them. And these were non-believers, hypocritical spirits, people who possesses those things. And, this, and the fear came upon them and they, and they knew that they were not going to trample on the grace of God. We continue to see the demonstration of God's power at work. And the Bible says right after that many signs and wonders were regularly done by the apostles. By the hand of the apostles. So there was this mighty move of God. The demonstration of God's power and presence was at work. All of which were done by the, uh, and make note of the passage of scripture that we're reading there. That it was done by the hands of the apostles. It never says disciples. It was not any and everybody who were going around laying hands and casting out demons and, and healing the sick. All of which were done by the hands of the apostles. 
And Luke was very careful in making note of this. It was the apostle. The gift of healing and the gift of miracles were given to the apostles only. The gift was not given to all those who come to faith. No, not the, not the apostles, only, sorry, only the apostles were given these gifts. And, and, and we can see that. In Matthew chapter 10, we saw when Jesus, in verse 10 and, uh, chapter 10 and verse 1, uh, we, we have a clear account from Matthew, and I'll read it in verse 1. And he says, And when, they had called unto, when he had called unto himself, twelve disciples, this is Jesus calling his disciples, and then sending them out. Here what the scripture says, He gave them power against unclean spirits. He gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out. To heal all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases. So Jesus gave them and when the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost came, they were empowered to do the work that God had called them to do. So they, they started to demonstrate that in and through their lives. But what we find today is that people are claiming to have special gifts and are having massive crowds following them. The apostles were very careful not to allow themselves to be seen as those, as ones with special powers and gifts. And if they were doing that, the gifts and healing were, if they were doing that, they were going to bring glory unto themselves. The gifts and healing were done to bring glory to Christ. The apostles understand that. Today we don't see that taking place or those things are happening. Men claim special gifts, men claim special powers, and, and, and people exalt them so high as they are ones to be worshipped. Today we have self-proclaimed prophets. Today we have self-proclaimed apostles and faith healers and people with special anointing. Now I want to say something very carefully because this is why, why the book of Acts is important for us to, to, to really uh, uh, understand. Do not let anyone fool you. Do not let anyone fool you. Every born again child of God Every born-again child of God has the anointing of God upon their life. When you surrender your life to Christ, you are anointed by the Holy Spirit. There is no special anointing given to anyone differently. It is one anointing. It is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There is no other extra portion of the anointing on any other one. That only happens in the apostles' lives. At the base of the cross, brothers and sisters, at the foot of the cross, everyone is at the same playing level. Every one of us. When it comes to the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, when it comes to gifts, every one of us, God used differently, but we all stand before God equally. None of us have more power than anyone else. And as much as people have been superstitious about these apostles, as much as they were superstitious about them, and because they had special powers, Luke said that the people perceived these men to be, you know, be men of, of, of great power and standing and can be worshipped. But none of that the disciples, them, the apostles entertain. Hear what Dr. Luke said. They carried out the sick in the streets and laid them on, on cots and mats. And as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on them. At least his shadow might fall on them. That was the belief of the people. There is nowhere Dr. Luke is giving us a account that Peter's shadow were healing the people. Then. then if that was the case, there is no account that this, if that was the case, then they would have made the apostles gods. 
And, they were, and, 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 and these men were worthy of worship. The apostles were very careful not to entertain that sort of nonsense. But that doesn't stop God from bringing about healing and deliverance. So let us be careful of those, those so-called men of God who claim to have special anointing and powers and, don't, and those who have special revelation from God today. It's only one, rev all the revelation you need is in here. True revelation comes from the word of God, believers. We must also be careful of those songs we sing today, we sang today. As much as God is at work to bring about a revival in the hearts and the lives of people. Hear this. Whenever there is a revival, there is all clear evidence of that God is at work. And this is what was happening at the latter part of um, chapter that we read last week. Chapter 5, uh, verse 17. Luke gives us the account that there was this, this massive movement of God. And, and, and just, just to give you a sense of how you know when there is a revival, what are some of the key things that we need to look at? There is always a powerful witness of God's presence. We see that in the book of Acts. We see that in the early church. We see that there is this mighty move of God. Everywhere the, the disciples go, people were added to the church. Daily, the Bible says. Not only that, there's always a response to God's word. Lives are turning from sin and to faith in Jesus Christ. That's what revival brings. People respond to the word of God. And then you also see people are living it out. There is ample proof that lives are being changed and transformed. What you see happen in Barabbas', Barabbas life of, of sharing and they all had everything and come, come and the people were willing to give out of a heart of gratitude and a heart of love. They were not looking for themselves. That's what revival brings, brothers and sisters. There's always this powerful witness as well of God, um, of, of, of uh, witness among God's people for the lost. People are now passionate to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. People are willing to share their testimony. People are willing to go to their neighbors. People are willing to go to their friends. And that is why you see this move. And then finally, when there is a mighty move of God, when there is a revival, signs of healing and deliverance are taking place. Signs of healing and deliverance follow. God is healing lives. And we see that work. Such, such, a, such a beautiful work that God is doing. And all of what I just said, that I just mentioned, all of what I just mentioned was the account given to us by Dr. Luke. Now, Dr. Luke did not just paint just a, a, a beautiful portrait or a picture of what was taking place in the lives of the early church. He did not just paint the beautiful side and you see all of this is the beautiful work that God is doing. Lives are changed, hearts are transformed, healing is taking place on this mighty move and powerful move of God. But he also gives us a picture from every side, every angle of what was taking place, of what took place. And if we are only given one side of this story, if Dr. Luke would have given us only one side of the story, he would not have been worthy, worthy. He would not have been worthy of being a true eyewitness of what God, of what was taking place. So in, in chapter 4, we talk about this first wave of persecution. Then all the revival and all the work. Then 
Acts chapter 12 to verse 16 gives us the account of the second wave. The passage that we're reading here gives us the second wave of opposition and rejection and persecution that the early church had to deal with. The first wave, like we said in Acts chapter 4, had the, 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 the hands of the high priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came against the disciples. They, were char they charged them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. And then here we go, we have a whole new story. A whole new account of what is happening now. Mighty move of God, but then here you get a second wave of persecution are now going to, the disciples and the apostles are going to face. And their response with, in Acts chapter 4, that the church gather and pray, we remember that. In Acts chapter 4, after they were, they were put in prison and then they were released, and they were warned not to speak in the name of Jesus or teach in the name of Jesus. It says right after that, the, the church, the, the believers gathered together and pray for more boldness to speak the name of Jesus. They were not willing to stay quiet or silence. They were not going to allow anyone or anything, anything to stop them from proclaiming the name of Jesus. They counted themselves worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. And whatever it costs, it is worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. That's how they see it. Whatever it costs, even if it's their life, it was, it, is, it was worthy for them to suffer for the name. For them, the cost to suffer for the name of Christ was worth it, brothers and sisters. They did not just say it, but they live it out. They demonstrate that with everything that they do. And every one of Jesus' disciples were martyred, the apostles. They were martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ. They were, their lives were taken from them. And that is the reason why I love the book of Acts. Because it provides us with the tools of being a true witness for Christ. It is a true reflection, brothers and sisters, of what the church is called to be, what you and I are called to be. A witness of Christ. No matter the cost, brothers and sisters, there is no greater sacrifice than to suffer for the name of Jesus. Let me say that again. There is no greater sacrifice to suffer for the name of Jesus. It is a name worthy it is a name that is worth dying for. And that is how the, the apostles were living their lives. That is the reason why they were so bold. They said, God, give us more boldness to speak your name. Now, the same Peter, who we, we hear so much in this passage of scripture that we're reading here. Peter, bold, no, no, Peter is known for his boldness. It was Peter who wrote in the book of Acts. And hear what he says. Sorry, not in the book of Acts. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12 through 19. And I trust that if you have your Bibles, you will follow me or, or you can see it on the screen. I want us to read it. This is Peter writing. Hear what Peter says in verse 12. Behold, brothers and sisters, do not think it is strange concerning the fiery trials which is to try you. As though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice, here Peter says, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of the Christ's suffering. Rejoice that you partake of Christ's suffering that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceedingly joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you, Peter says. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. 
But let none of you. Yeah, so like I was saying, as believers, as believers, we must never allow force or any thought of opposition to silence us when it comes to speaking the truth in love. The Sadducees were very jealous because God was using ordinary men, ordinary fishermen as they claim, whom they consider of no noble birth and who were uneducated and unlearned men. God was using those same men to bring honor and glory to his name. God was using them. And Paul will, Paul will call this out very clearly in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 27. Here what Paul says, But God has chosen the foolish things of, this, of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. <laughs> Paul again will speak of this. And I think I've touched this at some point in one message in, in back in, in Easter. And this second wave of persecution also led to imprisonment. The religious, the religious leaders were now willing to use force. Not, not only jealousy, not when they were ang- filled with anger. But they were now willing to use force to bring about the silencing of the apostles. So they put them in a common or a public prison where they can, can be seen and use them as a threat to drive fear in the hearts of other men and women and other believers. And we, we see this sort of reaction of those who have, who have a hatred for, the, for Christians. We see that today in our world, that people will persecute Christians to drive fear in the heart of other Christians. And God truly has a sense of humor. Because I would assume we all know that the Sadducees do not believe in the resurrection of the dead. They also do not believe in anything supernatural or angelic. When it comes to angelic being, they do not believe in any of that. But look at Peter's word in Acts chapter 19. The same very night, God was going to do something outstanding, brothers and sisters. Out of the ordinary, God showed up on the scene. No chains, no walls, no, nothing. No nothing can stand against the power of God. We do not have to pick up guns and shield to fight our battle because the battle belongs to the Lord. And it does not mean that persecution will not come. Yes, it will come. And just to give you an example of what that looks like recently, a 16-year-old boy was born 60% of his body by, by from what they said, su- suspected Hindus, nationalists in India. 60% of his body was severely born with acid because uh, he, was a, he, w- he was a Christian. He is a Christian. And in other places of the world, we are seeing such hatred toward converts of Christianity. You look at the news every single day. Read the voice of martyrs. Every single day, Christians are being persecuted for their faith. Now, 500 years ago, Martin Luther stood before the Diets of Worm in Germany. And he was asked to recant his 1995 thesis or die. And these are Luther's words. I trust that you will, you, you, you will follow it with me. Hear what Luther said. Here is the stand that Luther took. And Luther says, unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason, he says, I do not accept the authority of the popes and council. Stood against the Roman Catholic Church and he says, I do not 
accept the authority of popes and council. The authority is only in the word of God. For hear what he says. For they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. That's what Luther says. The authority lies in the word of God. And he says, I cannot and I will not recant anything for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Right nor safe. God help me. Amen. And he stood there. And he never recant. He never. He stood up for what he firmly believed that God has called him to do. And that same night the Bible says an angel of the Lord said to the apostles. When we read the account in Acts chapter 519. That same very night an angel of the Lord appeared. And released them. Opened the prison door. And let them out and says go. Here is what they were commanded to do. He says, go speak in the temple. He didn't tell them to run and escape and hide. He didn't tell them to go seek shelter. He says, go. Go back to the temple to speak all the words of life, all the word of his life, which is to speak about the gospel. Tell them about who Jesus Christ is. Tell them about the Messiah, the one who died and rose again. That's basically, that is the message. That is the gospel. They were charged to continue to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were charged to proclaim the person and work of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, the gospel is not only good news, but it's also the power of God unto salvation. Only the gospel saves. Only Jesus saves. There is no hope, you always hear me say that, outside of Christ. And salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone. And this, what we saw here tonight, today, this was the first of the three jail miracles that the apostles will experience. Not only in Acts chapter 5, but then in Peter in Acts chapter 12 again. And then with Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. It, will, it, is a proven, it has been proven over and over and over again that nothing can stand against the power of God. And, and you know, I love this song by Phil Wickham and he says, Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of God. And after they discovered that the apostles were missing from the prison cell, they were at the temple preaching. The apostles did not, like I said, run or hide or seek shelter. Why do they need to hide? Why do they need to seek shelter when God tells them to go and just speak the name and proclaim it? Proclaim life to the people. Because there is life in Christ. But then after that, here the, here, here's the account of the high priest. Here is the response of the high priest. They found them speaking in the, play, in the temple. And then they were being warned. And, I, and then verse 28 says, and hear what it says. Did we not strictly command you? They, so they brought them in back again to try them, to, to warn them. Verse 28 gives us that account. Didn't we not strictly, this is the high priest. So didn't we not strictly command you that you should not teach in this name? Now what is wrong with this passage of scripture? We, we warned you not to teach in this name. Which name? They were, not, they were afraid to call the name of Jesus. And behold, we, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. No, no, they were not preaching anything that they, that they came up themselves with. They were preaching what they were eyewitness of. 
They did not create any new doctrine for themselves. No, they were preaching the gospel. And then here what the high priest says, you intend to bring this man blood upon us? No, no, you already killed him. You already crucified him. Remember in Acts chapter 4? The same very thing they did in Acts chapter 4 and verse 17. They warned him and says, but seek that you speak the name of Christ. Reproach to the world then and then it is a reproach to the world now. You can't wash your hand. The, the high priest couldn't wash his hand. And he was so reluctant to call the name of Jesus. The Bible says, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is power in that name. There is healing. There is deliverance. There is salvation in the name of Jesus. Yet again, they were afraid to speak it. On the cross, there were three, three men crucified. They knew that. A thief, two thieves, and Jesus in the middle. And only one was not going to remain in the grave. No grave can hold his body down. He didn't need anyone to raise him. He raised himself. And that is the hope that we have in Jesus. And that is why Christianity is, is the only hope for lost humanity. It's the only, only means of salvation. And verse 29 says, then Peter and all the, and the other apostles. Peter and the other, other apostles. Not Peter and the disciples. Peter and the other apostles. Those that were called. Those who were commissioned. And here what the Andrew said. We ought to obey God rather than men. How many of us, when we are put to the test, how many of us today are willing to utter these same words as Peter? If we are being put to the test, even with what you may be going through, can you say no matter what it is that you are you're going to rather obey God than man or we just fall and crumble at the pressure and the things that come against us when we stand up to speak the name of Christ? When you speak the name of Jesus, you are faced, you will be faced with rejection, brother and sisters. You will be hated, you will be persecuted. It's not something new that I'm telling you. It happens every single day in our world. It happens 2,000 years ago and it will still continue to happen until Jesus comes. People are going to hate you for who you are in Christ. So what does your persecution look like? And how are you dealing with it? How are you responding to it? Are you going to succumb and are you going to give in to the, to the, to the, uh, to the enemy? Or are you going to stand firm and, and as a believer and trust God for your faith? Anchored your faith in Jesus Christ. They were persecuted. They were beaten. And they, but they were not willing to, 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 to give up their Christian testimony of who they are. Even in the midst of persecution. And I pray God that God will place that desire and that burden and that passion in the hearts of Christians today. That no matter what it is, whether it's inside the church or outside of the church, that you're faced with persecution, no matter how you're being faced with that you will stand firm on the foundation. A foundation that cannot be shaken. And that foundation is, is laid by no other but, the, but Jesus Christ himself. The true foundation. 
Paul will write to the church at Ephesus and he says, Having done all to stand, stand firm, brothers and sisters. Let your loins be guarded with truth and your feet shut with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Peace. Take the helmet of salvation, the blessed plate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith. Paul says, take it on. God has given to you everything you need to do to fight and, and stand against oppression and hatred and persecution and rejection. And again, look what Peter did. Peter took the opportunity to present the gospel to them. He did not run. We're going to speak. And this is what he did exactly. What do you do in the face of opposition? You run to the things of the world. You run to YouTube. You run to Facebook. You run to social media. You run to the things where somebody tells you this is the way you need to do it. This is how you should respond. This is how you need to deal with it. Or do you go to God and you go to his word and you take the lives of the disciples and the examples and the life they live and says, this is what God wants me to do. Or you look for answers elsewhere. The reason why believers are constantly feeling as if they are constantly not winning in their battle is because they go to the wrong place and the wrong source for answer. But the disciples were willing and they says, no matter what it is, no matter what I faced, you beat me, you persecute me. I'm going to still, it's still worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. And here what Peter says, the God raised up. God raised up our fathers, Jesus, whom you slew and hang on a tree. So Peter then brought again the subject of resurrection, something that they could not stand because they did not believe in the resurrection. The message was no different, brothers. Peter did not change his message the first time, and he will never change the message the second time. And why do we as believers change our message? Because somebody else outside the church, somebody else who doesn't have the gospel can encourage us and tell us this is the way you need to deal with it. And we change our message, we change the way we are as believers when we are faced with these things. And here what Peter says, him, this Jesus, the one you killed, the one you died, the one you, you put on a cross, God exalt him at his right hand to be the, the prince and savior for to give repentance for all Israel and for forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness of sin? Not, not sins, forgiveness of sin. Of sin, sorry. You see, sin is the nature within us. Sins is the fruit of the sinful nature. The jealousy, the hatred, the envy, the strife, the malice against God, against the Holy Spirit, against God's righteous holiness. These men were not blind by their sins. They, these, sorry, these men were so blinded by their sins that they, they are in constant rejection of the truth. And they were rejecting the Messiah. The one reason why we are given such a detailed account of what, to look, what, what took place. That's what Luke did. Luke, give us this account to help you and me as believers to walk uprightly even in the midst of persecution. Especially those who claim to know the truth. Israel was a nation who that were claimed that they had the truth. The opportunity to embrace the Messiah. But they're torn and reject him and said, blinded by their own self-righteousness. That's what jealousy do. That's what hatred does. It blinded our eyes to see the truth. Even in the midst when God is showing us, they were not able to receive him. 
And here what Peter says, we are, Ill, we are witnesses, verse 32. We are witnesses of these things, brothers and sisters. And also that the Holy Ghost whom God has given to them, obey him. And after that, verse 33 said, they, they hate, after they hearted, they were cut to the hearts. They could not stand the truth. And they took counsel to slay them, to kill them. Now, they had a bloody beating after that. And I'm coming here to the very end of that passage of scripture. They were not satisfied in just taking the, 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 taking the apostles and warning them. They had to execute brutal force, beating them. This was no ordinary beating. It was more than just a, a, a couple lashes. They were bleeding when they left there. Their jealousy led to hatred. Hatred led to violence. The sin of jealousies gets deeper and deeper. And it will go at any length and depth to bring about hurt and pain. And I warn you as believers, be careful with that. And when they had agreed, when they had called the apostles and beaten them, verse 40 says, they command them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. But look at the beautiful thing that happened here. And when they had departed from the presence, that is the apostles, when they have departed from the presence of the council, look what happened. They rejoice. Bible says rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ or for his name. And daily they did not stop. They went back to the temple in every house and they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. What a mighty God. Where is our testimony as believers today? Where do we stand in our walk and our relationship with Christ? Do we just give in when, when, when we can't stand and we can't bear the pressure of things we just run to the source that we knew best, but we don't run to God. And, we wanted, and that's the heart and that's the desire of these men that were willing to just bring everything down upon these apostles. But thanks be to God that they are men, that God has given us these testimonies of the disciples that you and I can draw strength from each and every single day and live, and live our life in obedience to God and his word. And I trust that these words will encourage your hearts that you will be challenged as you leave here this afternoon. But I also, in closing, I want to read First Peter chapter 2 and verse 18 to 21. Here what Peter says, and I'll close with these words. Peter says, honor all men. This is the same Peter that stood up before these men. He says, honor all men. Yes, honor them. They were not fighting them. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Yes, respect authority. Servants be subject to your masters with all, with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. forward. For this is thankworthy. If a man for his for conscience forward, God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, Peter says. If you suffer wrongfully, for what glory is it when you be buffeted for your fault? You shall take it patiently. But if when you do well, suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. Peter says, don't resist, don't fight. God will fight your battle. For even here unto ye are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow after his steps. Who did no sin, neither was any guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. 
who is his own bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. It is Christ's stripes we are healed, brothers and sisters. For ye are a sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your soul, Peter says. So I trust that these words encourage your heart this afternoon and maybe whatever God is speaking to you, that you will submit your life to him. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, once again, that we can draw strength today, that we can be once again encouraged, God, by the lives of the, of the apostles, God. Men of faith, men that were not willing to, Lord, any form of a persecution, any form of a rejection, whatever means that the enemy will use, God, to throw at them, God, they were willing to stand firm in faith. Lord, I pray for, for, for those that are walking with you every single day, God, are discouraged, oh God, and, and feel as if the, the entire wall, uh, world is crumbling on them, God. They feel as if there is no light or hope, God. Father, I pray that you will touch their lives and encourage them and strengthen them to continue on the journey, continue to stand firm in faith, not to give up, not to run for the answer on Facebook or in YouTube or, or somewhere else outside of your word and to spend time with you, God. Lord, you said, if my people who are called by name, by my name shall humble themselves, seek my face and seek my face and pray, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. God, you're willing to hear our hearts cry. You're willing to hear, God, when we surrender and come before you in brokenness of heart and allow you to speak to us. And God, you give the disciples strength, God, to continue to speak your name and to be a witness and a light and a testimony. And that is the reason why today we can have the good news of the gospel. That is the reason why we can be encouraged and challenged as well to continue to live our life in obedience to you, Father. And so we surrender our hearts to you, God. I pray for those that are still sitting on a fence, God, whether they want to serve you or not. I pray, God, that you will bring them to the truth. I pray, Lord God, that you will touch their lives and open their hearts to receive you. And so we give you praise and give you thanks and honor and glory tonight. Continue to have your way among us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.